0: great to be here in Calgary. I appreciate uh, Kelly allowing me to speak this morning. There's so many people uh, in the congregation here that uh, we've got to know and love over the years and who've loved our family. I know many of you were really good to my dad when uh, he was living here, the different times that uh, he lived here, and so it's, uh, it's good to be with you this morning. Kelly, I forgot to ask you about the remote mouse. Sorry. Oh. We, um, <clears throat> our family moved into the inner city of Regina last uh, summer, bought a house in the hood, and uh, north central Regina is a community of about 12,000 people with um, uh, living in about 180 city blocks, and um, a couple of years ago, Thank you. actually three or four years ago, we uh, we started a little kids ministry uh, with uh, six six kids. This is back in the, the first year in, an, in our youth minister's house, and these kids came over every Wednesday night, and, um, and we got to know them. We had them into our home. We had birthday parties, and we had them over for sleepovers and took them camping, and that kind of grew. To the end of the year, we had 25 kids, and then the next year, we had 84 kids, and so I felt God directing me to, uh, to plant a church in the inner city and begin working with the people full-time, and so we've been doing that for the last year. And it's been really exciting. Uh, we've been learning a lot, learning a lot about uh, incarnational living, living among the poor, and um, it's been exciting. Uh, it's a very different kind of church plant than what Journey was. Um, Journey was more of an attractional church where you start with a full worship service and try and bring people in. We are just starting with very, very small and very basic, very relational. We have about 10 to 15 people that come every Wednesday night to our adult group, uh, our, home, our home church. And we uh, just share our lives together. And it's, it's been really a neat experience. Um, I don't need to point this anywhere particularly. These are some of the kids that we work with in our kids program. Um, every one of these kids has an amazing story. Um, it's, it's beautiful to get to know the kids and their families. And uh, I believe that God has called me to uh, work among the poor and live among the poor. And um, just like Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, that the Spirit of the Lord was on him to preach good news to the poor, to, to proclaim a recovery of sight for the blind and freedom for the prisoners, and to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be, where God has called me to be, and uh, some neat things are, are happening. I want to thank you for your help. Last year you participated financially in helping us get started with the church plant. And we've done a lot of different things. We have kids ministry. We have adults, stuff going on. We have addictions. We're helping people uh, who've been addicted to to drugs and alcohol. Um, One cool story, we have a young couple. uh, He's 22, and she's 19. And uh, a year ago, they were doing 15 to 30 ecstasy pills a day. Um, One ecstasy pill is enough to give you a high, but uh, they were doing a lot more than one. And uh, a year and a half ago, she... Overdosed one time and was taken to emergency to the hospital, and uh, the doctor told her dad uh, in emergency he said it's it's 50/50 whether she lives or dies. Um, it's really up to her and her own will whether she comes out of this or not. And so she did, and she's she and my her boyfriend are part of our house church now, and they're doing well. He's got a job. Uh, they're going to school. She's an artist. Uh, just a lot of neat things happening. Um, in individual people's lives that uh, God is God is touching and, and changing people's lives. So it's exciting. One of the things that we did, we've done a couple of times now, is handed out Bibles. And uh, this was a year, a year and a half ago. Noah here is eight or nine years old, and his Bible, I his, uh, went to see him a week or two after, and he said, his mom said to me, he said, uh, he was really impressed with how many wives that Solomon had. That's <laughs> uh, pretty good. This boy here... Um, His name's Deshawn, um, Aboriginal boy, uh, got several siblings, and, uh, Grandma is raising him and his brother and sisters, and, um, Mom uh, gets her check every month, or a couple of checks, uh, child tax and everything else, and, uh, drinks those up, and Grandma raises the grandkids, and, uh... Anyways, Grandma came to our house church a couple of weeks ago and told me, she said, um, Deshaun's little brother Tyrese is five, and she said, uh, Deshaun reads his Bible every night to Tyrese, because Kevin said, when he handed out the Bibles, Kevin said, read your Bible and say your prayers every night. And I just thought, wow, that's really cool, because half the time we don't even know if the kids are listening, never mind, planning to go home and do what we actually say, so... Um, it's really neat to see God at work. And Deshawn is uh, grade four. He is very smart, and uh, and uh, have high hopes for him that uh, he will be able to break the cycle in his family. <clears throat> so we have a lot that's going on, um, a lot that we're learning, learning a lot from the poor, um, and living with them. Um, the poor have resources that we that we don't know about. Um, could tell a story about that, but it's just neat to, to live among them and walk with them. Um, one of the things I want to invite you to participate in is every summer we do uh, what we call Mission 610, which is a, a summer mission camp in the inner city of Regina. Uh, we do a number of different things that you may want to participate in. We have, um, this is for high school and, uh, and adults, we uh, have a couple of EBSs in the inner city, uh, we have a middle school camp, we have about, uh, our kids outreach every Monday night, we have about 35 um, uh, elementary school kids, and then we have about 20 to 25 middle school kids. And so uh, it's exciting to, to have all these kids come and be with us every week. We also did a mural last summer. Um, this picture here, this is the side of a bar called the Jolly Roger. I don't know if you've ever been to a rider game where they sing, you know, the, the, uh, when you see the Jolly Roger on the Regina's Muddy Shore, well, that's this bar. And uh, <clears throat> on the other side around the, is the front door. Well, this is a 90-foot wall that's 24 feet high. And um it it always had this graffiti on it, so I approached the bar owner and I said to Ryan, I said, "Hey uh, went in the bar and chatted with him, and I said, "Hey, you know we'd like to do a mural on this on this wall this summer." and so he said we could so this is the mural that we did in a week and uh, and after we were done, uh, it was really cool because actually seven different groups participated. this is a close up uh, of the dove, and that dove is actually the kind of the Logo of our of our church plant, the, the Spirit of Peace. But uh, anyway, um, we had a celebration at the end, and we talked about how the Kingdom of God is like this mural, and that God wants to take old ugly things uh, and transform them and make them beautiful. And so, part of what I think the Kingdom of God is about is 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 beauty and art and redeeming uh, broken and ugly things. And so, we talked about God redeeming individuals' lives and redeeming families. And Redeeming the community, and so uh, we 're going to do another mural again this summer, and so uh, you know the artists don 't have a lot of places to express their gifts in the church, so if you want to come and participate with us uh, in this mural project, that would be great. The other thing we 're doing this summer is a new new project we 're going to buy a house in the inner city, renovate it, uh, add a secondary suite, and then help a family from the inner city get into that home and so if you 're construction minded um, at all, we would love to have you come and work with us uh, on this project. Um, Part of what we want to do over the next several years is help, uh, it's going to take a few years to do this, but people who have bad credit (laughs) uh, can't buy a home, um, can't even buy a car, and so to help them with their credit issues and help them get their finances together and over the next several years, help several different families be in a position to to own own their own home. Part of what we want to do in the inner city is increase home ownership. I improved the housing stock, and in Regina right now, there's this huge problem with uh, the, highest vac- or the lowest vacancy rate of rental properties in, in Canada is in Regina right now. So rents are high, hardly any vacancy. People with single mom with three or four kids and another on the way living in a house with 20 other people, she has one bedroom. Um, that's all she gets. And so she tries to keep her food in there, but there's no lock on the door, so everyone in the house just kind of has free access to her food and she's trying to raise her little kids and have another one on the way. and So housing is a huge problem in Regina. And so this is one way, a practical way that as Christians we can uh, be a redemptive presence in, in the inner city. So Mission 610 is a summer project that we're doing, um, and so I invite you to, to come and uh, participate with us if you would like. Um, <clears throat> we also have uh, newsletters on the back and a couple of DVDs out there if you'd like to, uh, to find out more about uh, what God is doing in, in our church plant. Behold, the upside-down catfish. The upside-down catfish swims the murky waters of African rivers and actually is upside-down. All of its markings are reversed. Normally, a fish has dark markings on top, so when you look down, it's, it's uh, disguised. When you look up, it has white markings underneath. The catfish has its markings reversed, and it swims through the water upside-down, and everything it sees is seized upside-down. The upside-down catfish. When we think about the kingdom of God, particularly in the Gospel of Luke, the kingdom of God is an upside-down reality. It is completely antithetical and counterintuitive to everything we know in this world. We value, as people in this world, we value wealth, and Jesus values poverty. We value being praised, and Jesus says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, Luke chapter 6. We value influence and power, and Jesus values those on the margins and those with no resources. The kingdom of God is a counterintuitive reality. And so the text that I would like to share with you this morning is from Luke chapter 14, the parable of the great banquet. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, "'Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God.' Jesus replied, "'A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests.' At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. The servant said, What you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This, I think, is indicative of the upside-down kingdom of God. Those who are invited... Do not come. Not only do they not come, but they are not allowed to come. At the end, he said, I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. Those who are invited don't come, and those who are not invited come. Those who are on the outside are on the inside, and those on the inside are on the outside. Those who have no power are the servants in the kingdom of God, and those who have power and influence in the world are sent out of the kingdom. It's an upside-down kingdom in an upside-down world. There's much more that we could say about that. But what I want to emphasize is the fact that in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is going to the poor. Jesus is going to the margins. Jesus is going to the un, uh, the, the powerless and the, the people with no influence. And Jesus is going to those people in order that he might show them the kingdom of God and bring them into the kingdom. Just right before this text, Jesus said to his host, Chapter 14, verse 12. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, or your brothers or relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although you cannot re- they cannot repay you, you will be pay- repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And so we see in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus is going to the broken and the margins to find people who are a long ways away from God. I wish I had a little more time to explore that. But I want to talk with you a little bit about compassion in the 21st century. Most of the people in North Central Regina, a lot of them are unemployed. They're uh, disabled. They're on disability pensions. Uh, They're on welfare. They have, in some ways, very little materially, But in other ways, they have a lot. Uh, One story I wanted to tell you is a guy named... Uh, uh, Frank about a year year and a half ago one of my rhythms as a church planter I go to an inner city soup kitchen every Wednesday for lunch so I went to this soup kitchen and there was a guy there was actually a lady uh, who I'd never met before but my wife was with me that one particular day and we sat across this table from this lady that she knew from her work she works as a dietitian in inner city health clinic uh, working with pregnant moms and so she knew Paula and Paula was, I don't know, in her 60s, maybe 50s. Um, and uh, she was talking about how her roof of her house was uh, was leaking. They're renting this house. And so uh, it was in the wintertime, and the snow was melting, running into the house and, and through, the, through the roof. And so uh, she said she was going to go home and shovel off the roof. And so she gets up from the table and pulls her cane out from underneath the table. And I said, Paula, I said, you are not going to shovel off the roof. I said, I've got two teenage boys, and I know a whole bunch of you know, boys in the youth group. I said, we'll come over and we'll shovel your, your roof off for you if, you if you don't mind. So she said, we could. So we went over and shoveled off her roof. Turned out the Paula wasn't there, but I met this other guy in the house named Frank. And um, and that was kind of just the one meeting. So nothing much happened with that. And about six months later, uh, in the summertime, I was going to 7-Eleven getting a drink or something. And I went up the till and I saw this guy and I'm like, hey, I, I think I know you from somewhere. And, he said, yeah, you guys came over and shoveled off her roof. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Frank, how are you doing? So we chatted a little bit. Didn't see him again for another six months. And in January, just this year, I was at the same soup kitchen and there was Frank sitting at the table. And I went in, and I said, hey, can I join you for, for, sit, you know, sit with you? And he said, sure. So I sit down and we start chatting. And, uh, he starts telling me about his life and his, uh, his boys are grown and he, they've got their own kids. And he says, I'm really frustrated with my, my boys because they're partying with their, their sons and drinking and, and wait, kind of wasting their lives and wasting their kids' lives. He said, I, I'm too old to party anymore. I can't, I can't stay up all night. And, and, um, and so he told me that and told me different things. And then, then we, we kind of talked for about 30 to 45 minutes. And, and towards the end, he started telling me about uh, when he was a boy. And he said he was a foster child. And he said the, um, his, uh, his foster mom, this one particular home, they, they forced him to go to church seven days a week. And she said, um, and he said, my foster mom beat me, beat me a lot. Um, He said, my foster dad never beat me except for one time. He said, one time my foster dad beat me. And he said, he cried the whole time. And he said, after he was done, he apologized to me. And he said, the only reason that I I beat you was my, my wife made me do that. And he was real emotional at this point. It was kind of towards the end of our conversation. And, uh, he was kind of crying and, and, you know, there's people all around us and it's just like he and I were chatting. And I thought it was really amazing that, you know, I had never really met, I mean, I met Frank at his house once at 7-Eleven, but here he was really on our first real visit, sharing his whole life with me and in kind of the midst of all these other people around us. And I thought that was, that was really amazing. Well, he also told me in the course of the conversation that, uh, well, at the end, I said, hey, uh, I said, what, you want to come over to our house church tonight for a Bible study? And, and he said, no, I had that forced down my throat when I was a kid. I don't want any part of that. I said, Frank, I'm sorry that happened to you. I that's not that's not what we're about. I said, come and, come, and turn, come and check it out, you know, come and be with us. And he said, he said no, I, I had that forced down my throat when I was a kid. I don't want any part of that. So I said, okay. But the other thing he told me during the conversation was that he had this eaves trough uh, he has on his roof he has no trough over top of the the sidewalk beside their house and um and uh the snow would melt and it would drip down on the right on the sidewalk by their side door and so they would create this ice icy you know right on top of their sidewalk and so i said he said well, i would do it myself but i don't have ladders i don't have the trough. and so i said hey frank i've got a couple ladders i'll go buy this stuff and I'll come and look at it, and then I'll go buy the stuff, and we'll fix that. And so we did. So we did that for him. But what was interesting to me, I mean, there were, there were kind of several things about that conversation that were really interesting. Number one was um, that all of that came about because I was at a soup kitchen. Well, soup kitchen a couple of times. I was at 7-Eleven, you know. So one of the things that we've learned is that it's important to be at the crossroads of life where people are. Um, Especially people who are like this, Uh, I mean, they're, I don't know, they're on welfare, they have, they're renting a house, they have no car, they have, they have very little. And so they couldn't even come to church on a Sunday morning if they wanted to. And so what happens? We go to them, we go to where they live, we go to the crossroads of where they're living so we can be invited into their lives. So that's one thing. Second thing is, what we do is serve. I mean, we went there to shovel off their roof with snow. And even though Frank wants no part of religion, he could not argue with the fact that we came over and shoveled off his roof. You can't argue with that. You know, oh yeah, you, you guys came over and shoveled off our roof. You just can't argue with that. We went over and, 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 and fixed his eaves trough for him. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if he'll ever come to church. I don't know what will ever happen with him. But I know this. I think he has a different view of Christians now than he had before. And that's awesome. The other thing that was neat about our conversation was, it just amazed me that he opened up and shared this this really personal stuff in not, in a, not a very private setting <laughs> with me, a stranger. But one of the reasons I think he did it was because I was listening. You know, and I, I think a lot of people in the world have never had anyone really listen to them. I mean, Really. You know, as Christians, we're trained that we have to tell people stuff, and we have to talk, and we have to share what we believe and all that stuff. But you know what I'm coming to believe? One of the greatest gifts that we can give to someone is just to listen. And at the end, when I invited Frank to come to our Bible study, I was able to do so with with a sense of who he was and the the history of his life and the baggage that he had, and to say, Hey, you know what? I'm sorry that happened to you as a kid. That, That is not right. That is not the way it should be. That is not what we're about. Come and try it. And so I was able to invite him to come and be a part of our community based on the relationship that I had with him and what i just heard him share with me. And the last thing is praying with people. Now, I didn't pray with Frank in that setting because he, well, for, first of all, he's not a believer. And secondly, it just wasn't appropriate. But one of the things we try to do, with, I was telling you about Deshaun earlier, reading the Bible to his younger brother prayed with his grandma Eunice a couple of times in her home and uh, the the problems with her daughters and them drinking up their checks and and ignoring their children. And praying for for those kids to to pay attention to their kids, for her her daughters to pay attention to their kids, and for those kids to come to Christ, and for them to be clean and sober and to, to, to make change. But praying with people is a powerful thing. And when you, when you get the privilege to listen into someone else's life and to the deepest part of their story, and then you pray with them about that story, it's just an awesome thing. And so, you know, I believe that in in the 21st century in Canada right now, Jesus said the fields are white unto harvest in Matthew chapter 9. And I know that we look around and we say, Really? The fields are white unto harvest? But part of it's because of the approach we take. I think if we took more of the approach of Jesus, if we take more of this approach if we actually really sit down and listen to people into the depths of their story, you know what? I think we're going to get a lot further with what we have to, with what we have to say. They're going to trust us. They're going to listen to us. And they're going to invite us into their, to their lives and their homes. And we'll be able to invite them into our lives and into our homes. Well, there's much more to say, but uh, brothers and sisters, we are the people of God. We are called into the world, into our workplaces, into our neighbors, into our friends' homes, into their lives, in order that we might be the people of God for them. May God bless you as you carry out his mission.